Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Start by reading in the book of Joshua, John's favorite book. Uh, And I want to read a big passage out this morning that will help us. It's our narrative this morning that I want to dive into and take this uh, story and this passage and explain it. So if you come with me this morning to Joshua chapter 9 and verse 3, it says this. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted, to, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn-out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and mouldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. The Israelites replied to these Hivites, How do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. They replied, We are your servants. But who are you? Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? And they answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. Down to verse 12. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes, but now as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and sandals are worn out from a very long journey. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. The names of these towns were Gibeon, Kerephath, Beeroth, and Kiriath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack the towns, for the Israelite leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, Since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live, for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Here we have what's called the Gibeonite deception. We have God's people, the Israelites, and they've crossed over into the promised land. They've marched into Canaan, and God has told them to wipe out all of the people living in that land. God's judgment had come upon the people in that land. They were an evil people. They worshipped the God of Moloch by throwing their babies into the fire. Their teenagers were engaged in ritual prostitution as an act of worship to their gods. Their ways were evil. Their ways were far from the Lord. And God's judgment had come upon them. And as such, He had sent the Israelites into the land. And they were going to rain down fire on those Canaanites. They were to wipe them out. And they were to come into the land and bring a fresh perspective. They were God's people, and they began. They went to Jericho, 
and they conquered that city of Jericho. The walls came down. They went to Ai and they defeated it. They brought, they fought against the kings and they defeated it. They began to ride the wave of victory and they were riding high. Success was following them. The land was beginning to change as the Israelites were sweeping into the land. There was something fresh taking place in that land. Everything was changing. As the Israelites marched in, word began to spread about what was happening. Nations started to be afraid and in fear and trembling as the Israelites drew closer and closer to their towns. One nation knew that they were gonna be next on the hit list. So they devised a scheme. They planned amongst themselves a way to trick the Israelites to make a treaty with them. They put on old clothes. They got old moldy bread and wineskins. And even though they were close neighbours, they set out to deceive the Israelites to make a treaty saying, we're from far away. As this company approached the Israelites, this was a new thing. This was a new opportunity for them. They had been slaves in Egypt. Nobody cared about them there. Nobody worried about what they thought. They were downtrodden and disregarded. They had wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, wondering when they were ever going to enter into what God had. And now finally, as they rode the wave of victory, they were approached with something they'd never had to deal with before, a new opportunity. And these people come and offer to have a treaty. This was a new decision for them. But rather than ask God, they consulted among themselves and made a decision that they were never meant to make. They made a decision to sign a treaty with people that were their nearest neighbours, with people that they were meant to eliminate, that God had asked them to destroy. And instead of asking Him, they were committed to this treaty. After this decision, they were no longer on the same trajectory that they had been on. They were no longer advancing the way that they had. This was the first compromise in the promised land. This was the first time that mixture came in to God's people. This was the first time where the burden they were carrying was not the one that the Lord had given them. This decision forever impacted their generation and the generations to come. Now they had a burden of a whole new nation of people. I mean, the Israelites were a nation of a million people on their own, and now they had another nation to take care of. If we read on in the following passages, we see that the very first thing that they had to do was go and fight a war to protect the Gibeonites. Instead of advancing into what God had had for them, instead of going on in the course of destiny that He had for them, they were now fighting to protect these Gibeonites. This is what God had wanted to avoid. And they made one decision, one decision that changed everything, one decision that they made, one decision that they didn't pray about and one decision that they never asked God what He thought. And that one decision changed everything. I want to talk to you this morning about the topic, I decide or He decides. Either I decide or He decides. I want you to say that with me this morning. I decide or He decides. One more time. I decide or He decides. See, it's going to be one or the other in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Many of you will be familiar with it. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, 
and He will make your path straight. See, so often in making a decision, we lean on our understanding. But God says, I wanna help with your decisions. Get my wisdom. Hey, I'm the God of the universe. I got a little bit of understanding. I want you to rely on my wisdom, His unfathomable wisdom, His incredible understanding. He says, lean on me because I wanna help you with your decisions. As we trust in Him, His promise to us is that He will make our path straight. You know, this morning, we have to understand that in our life, our decisions are going to be something that guides us both now and in the future. When John and I were thinking about planting a church, we knew one thing for sure, that our calling was to start a church. So we began to decide where we would plant the church. And so we thought the North Shore of Auckland looked ideal. It looked ideal. So we drove around there house hunting. We'd saved up money to buy a house and I picked out a beautiful white bungalow not very far from the beach. I thought that's the one. I was getting ready to get my ducks in a row and John and I were gonna make an offer. We booked a hall just a few hundred metres from Takapuna Beach. It was a very nice hall. We were ready to go. And then suddenly people began to speak to us and say, have you thought about Wellington? Pastors that we respected, John was in Spain and a pastor said, I've woken up and God says the word Wellington. Does that mean anything to you? (laughs) It wasn't gumboots. It was a city called Wellington. And we began to realise that we were going to decide or he was going to decide. And in our lives, I know that sometimes we're making these decisions and and God wants to direct our steps, but we're not always willing to listen. And John and I knew that we could have had a good church in Auckland, but instead we had a God-breathed church in Wellington. For all of us in this room, we've got to make a choice. Will I decide or will he decide? Number one, the first thing we need to realise if we're going to let him decide is that decisions can't be based on what we see. Decisions can't be based on what we see. See, we're the people of God and we're called to live by faith and not by sight. We're not called to live based on what we can see in the natural, but what we can see in the Spirit. We're called to be a people who live by revelation, not by logic and what we can see. See, verse 14 of this passage says, the men of Israel sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. They looked in the natural. They looked at the food. It says they tasted it. moldy bread. That would have been disgusting. They tasted the bread. They looked at the wine. They touched the clothes. And in the natural, it looked like this all added up. They believed the deception because they looked in the natural and they did not ask the Lord. They didn't realise that their decision was going to go against everything that God had wanted them to do. This one decision You know, in our lives, we can be faced with so many decisions. Some of them are small and some of them are big. We can decide about who we're going to date. We can decide about who we're going to marry. Choose someone good. Next to Rico, choose someone good. We can decide who we're going to date. Yeah, that's you. Stay awake. (laughs) Stay awake. Yes, you've got to call a God on your life. So choose carefully who you will marry. (laughs) They can either stoke the fire or they can pour cold water on. I don't know if you've got a girlfriend. So anyway, do you? Oh, okay, well, hopefully she's a good girl. (laughs) I've no idea where she is, but we love you. (laughs) He's a good man. (laughs) So believe in the call of God on his life. Anyway, sorry, back to the topic. What was I saying? 
Okay, we've got sidetracked. You're a good man. I've got to hear you preach sometime. You've got a preaching gift on your life. You're carrying something really special. Yeah, you're carrying something really special. You're going to use them, eh, Shannon? Good, good. Pardon? Young guns. Well, you need to do more than young guns. You did more than next time he gets a whole message, eh? The whole lot. Yeah? Come on, man. Come on. Time to step it up. All right. <laughs> you know, who are you going to date? Who are you going to marry? Where your kids are going to go to school? Which investments you're going to make? Who you're going to go into business with? What career path you're going to pursue? You know, uh, who, who, who you're doing life with? All of these decisions will have an impact, but we can't look based on what we see. We have to be people who are led by the Spirit of God. Now, when the Israelites make this treaty, they are subjected to a burden. They were already a company of a million people. Now they have another whole nation to organize. And they have to put time into organizing them into being woodcutters and water carriers and all kinds of things. And not only that, they then have to go and fight their battles. Bad enough fighting their own battles, but now they've got other people's burdens. You know, maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, I just weary all the time. I'm tired. I'm just dealing with thing after thing. Well, I want to ask you today, are you carrying a burden because you decided? Are you carrying that burden because you said yes and God never said it? See, sometimes we end up burdened and problems are in our lives simply because we decided rather than He decided. We've got to ask ourselves, who's getting to decide? You know, we can have reaped a world full of pain from a bad decision, and we all have, haven't we? We've all made some bad decisions in life. But the truth is that we can come back to God and bring all those decisions to God and end up in a place where He puts us back on the path of blessing. Trust in the Lord. We come back to trusting in Him and even the bad decisions. He can outwork something for good. He turns all things into something good. So we trust in Him to do that. You know, uh, I'll never forget when uh, John and I were a bit younger and we went out car shopping and we were looking for a car that looked good and we saw a Holden Vectra. Never buy one of those. We saw a Holden Vectra and it was a really great price and it looked really good. John said it's very important to say that it had mag wheels. Mag wheels, yes, apparently they're very good. And um, I just thought it looked very tidy and we drove it and it drove really nicely. And we didn't understand that the reason it was cheap was because it was going to cost us a whole lot later. It was the worst purchase we've ever made in our lives. We didn't ask anybody about it. We didn't consult anybody about it. We didn't look on Google because Google didn't exist. Can you believe it? There was no Google. I think the internet may have been there. It's hard to remember. But certainly we were only just getting phones without cords. This is true. This is true. I used to freeze in the hallway at my house stuck on a cord. You know, like there was no heating in the hallway, but you didn't talk for long, right? <laughs> there was no Google. We didn't consult anyone. We drove up in the driveway of my parents' house in our brand new flash-looking car. My dad walks out and goes, ooh. Oh, now my dad used to read for nightly reading, bedtime reading, the dog and lemon buyer's guide to car buying. He said, oh, I'm sorry to say, dear, you've bought a lemon. <laughs> yes, we certainly had. You know, we had decided based on what we could see. So often when we just decide based on what we see, we can end up in a world full of pain. You know, we need to recognize that if we're making significant decisions, we need to pray and consult the Lord. Will we decide or will he decide? In leading a rise church, John and I are constantly aware that this is his church 
and He needs to decide the direction. Right now, Christchurch, we are praying about what the Lord would have us do here. The land, we are searching it out. We are consulting. We are finding wisdom. We're looking, but we are also praying and consulting the Lord. We all need to be in prayer that God would give us land and buildings here. We believe that this is the beginning of something fresh happening in Christchurch. But all of us need to pray and consult the Lord, thinking about how we can get behind it, how we can support it. It takes a company of believers committed that makes it come to pass. It's not one person who gets to decide, it's us that get to decide. We are all part of this. We're all part of this vision. Amen? I mean, youth needs a venue. They can't even find a venue every Friday night. This church needs a venue. Parking. We need somewhere good and spacious, and God wants to do it, but we're going to let Him decide. Lots of things on the table, but we won't decide. He will decide in Jesus' mighty name. I want to ask you today, what are you making your decisions based on, on what you can see or what you can hear? See, we need to hear from God about our decisions. Are we basing our decision on fear? Because fear is based on what we can see right now. Or faith. Faith is always what we can't see. You know, we have to trust that God's got it. Maybe we're making our decisions on emotions, how we feel about things. We're not to be led by our feelings. We're to be led by the Spirit. And so therefore, we have to make a decision based on our security in Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning we're worried over what we can see. We're worrying about things. And God's saying, No, no, don't worry about what you see. Trust in me. Trust in me. And as we trust in God, we'll make a decision that leads us in the right direction. We don't want to make decisions based on emotion. Never make a decision on a downer, they say. It's true. Emotions lead us in the wrong direction. But security in God will always lead us to choose wisely. Maybe we're making a decision based on our ambition this morning. Because ambition will make us want what we can see. But God doesn't want us to make a decision based on what we can see. He wants us to surrender and give our life over to Him so that we would receive what He has for us. If only Pontius Pilate had understood that ambition and career were really nothing compared to surrendering and trusting in God. My gosh, he will regret that decision when he gets to eternity. And I, for one, don't want to be someone that chose career over surrender. Don't be Pontius Pilate in Jesus' name. And sometimes we're letting our perspective make our decision rather than God's possibility. We think this is the only way that this situation will be resolved. But God's saying, hey, I'm the God of the universe. Anything is possible for Him who believes. We're the people of faith. We're not limited to what we can see. Number two, our decisions must follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I wanted to pull out this passage in Acts chapter 16, 6. It says this about the Apostle Paul. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They were kept by the Holy Spirit. So they were heading in one direction and they're about to cross over and go into another nation. And the Holy Spirit's like, stop! I love that because even the apostles were heading in a direction. They had made a decision, but they allow the Holy Spirit to go, stop, I'm just, that's not where I have for you to go right now. They had to realize that actually we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to direct us. You know, we are to be led by the Spirit. And sometimes God will give us a check. He'll give us a stop saying, no, that's not actually what I have for you. No, I don't want you to go there. No, I don't want you to see that. No, I don't want you to do that. And we have to go, okay, 
Or God will speak to us about different things in our lives. I mean, it can be a simple thing like watching the tally. I mean, there is some pretty bad stuff on tally, right? I mean, maybe the rating is our first clue. But then secondly, you just listen to the music, right? That's your second clue. And then the third clue is the Holy Spirit. You put that thing on and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that isn't it. You just feel it. And I'm like, change the channel, change the channel, scroll. Let's get out of this, you know? Because you know, there's a check. I don't want to see this. You know, uh, one of the, I'll never forget one time a few years ago, we were looking at some land that we own in Whangarei. So many of you may know the story, but a live church in Whangarei, there was a live church and they owned a whole lot of land which the trust gifted to a rise church. And then a live church became a rise church in Whangarei. So very cool, very cool what God has done up there. But as part of that land, a school exists on the land. And we wanted to allocate the land for the school's use because we believe in that ministry of Christian education, but we personally don't have a mandate or a call from God to run Christian education. So we wanted to release the land and we wanted to release a different body who could have more expertise to do that and we'll focus on building the church. And so it came to the division of the land and the allocation of the assets and we were looking at it all and it all looked good, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, hang on to the tennis court keep the tennis court. So I said, hey, I I think we should keep the tennis court. And everybody's like, yeah, sure. Because it was just a drawing. It's not really my thing to look at plans. But the Holy Spirit checked. Now at the time, we were looking to build in the city centre of Whangarei. So we weren't thinking about redeveloping that land. But then over the course of time, it became apparent that actually that that was what the Lord had for us, to redevelop on that land. And who knows that because we all listened to the check of the Holy Spirit, we now had no limitations. We now had no restrictions because the right decision was made because He decided. He decided. See, when we decide, we create limitation. We create restriction. But God wants His people to have a spacious place, to have unlimited possibilities, to have His favour. And so, So now we are free to build on that site with no restrictions because we listen and let Him decide. For all of us in this room, I want to say, is He deciding or are we deciding? Are I deciding or He deciding? Very important that we answer that question. If only Joshua had had a check in his spirit before signing the Gibeonite Treaty. If only he'd listened to the Holy Spirit. Number three this morning, decisions create legacy. Decisions create legacy. You know, that decision didn't just become a burden for that generation. It became a burden for the generations to come. Sometimes we don't understand that the decision we make today will impact not just tomorrow, but the tomorrows of our children. You know, I think of um, the fact that Arise Conference is coming up soon. And uh, we know some parents even in this room who made a decision for their children to come with them to conference. And the incredible Dan and Kath Landreth, sorry guys, Dan and Kath Landreth, amazing parents, they decided that they were going to take their children with them to Glow Kids Conference. Now the incredible Hannah here, hey Hannah, the incredible Hannah here, at Glow Conference she had a prophetic word over her life that said you're going to lead worship in front of thousands of people. She didn't just see it, she heard the Word of God for herself and a calling ignited in her heart because of a parent's decision to invest, a parent's decision to put their children in the right place. Something sparked in her spirit. 
At 14, she's one of the youngest people to lead congregational worship in a 10 a.m. service. You would have seen her lead here. She is phenomenal. What an incredible talent and what an incredible anointing upon her life. She's led at summer camp. She's in a Wellington 5 p.m. service in front of a thousand people. And she's going to be up singing at a Rise conference. She's an amazing girl. But you know what? We make a decision and it creates legacy. She's now walking out the God-given calling on her life. There's a boy in Wellington who's 14. His parents made the decision for him to go and he heard God say, I want you to be a preacher. And at 14, at seven, he heard that. And he has spent his whole life reading the Bible, praying. He's got it in under his skin. It's living in his bones. And he got up at youth at one of the young guns nights and he preached a storm. He preached the house down. There is something on his life because parents decided, I'm gonna place my kids in a place where they can hear from God. Now, not every child's calling is gonna be a ministry calling, But when they get in that environment, they'll hear what God has for their life. And who knows that that will shape the future of their decision-making process. You know, I'll never forget the legacy that my parents created in my life. My parents never wanted to lead a life group. They didn't really feel confident to lead the study. But what they said is, we don't want to lead a group, but we can host a group. And so every Wednesday night back then, they opened up their home. It was the 80s was the era of pottery and pot plants and macrame. And uh, my mom had red velvet curtains and white carpet. It was awesome. And, and the life group would come over to our house and the mad butcher at the time from Marston, a great guy, I think it was him who came with his guitar. And he would come and everybody would sit around and they would begin to sing and strum away on the guitar. Now the thing is, I was in my bedroom, but my bedroom wall was right next to the lounge. And I would press my ear up against the wall and hear the guitar And they didn't know it, but I was singing along with them. Let me be a sweet sound in your ear. And I was getting a heart of worship at that young age as my parents hosted a life group in their house. The decision to do that created a legacy. Parents, we have to understand we're creating a legacy. You know, um, Joshua didn't realize that he was creating a legacy. His decision to sign that Gibeonite treaty was very negative for them. See, how do I know this? Because what happened later, many years later, in 2 Samuel 21, verse 1, it said this. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So they had broken the oath. They had broken their covenant agreement of loyalty to the Gibeonites. Now Saul, at this point, we know he was making his own decisions. We know that Saul had lost his way. His insecurity had taken him out. He was making his own decisions. And we think that perhaps he was trying to win the hearts of the people of Israel back because their hearts had gone to David. Saul was a desperate man. We think maybe when the priests of Nob were killed, that maybe that was when the Gibeonites were killed. We're not totally sure. But the point is that that decision that Joshua had then created a famine for three years. It's a very long time for a people to suffer based on one decision. We see that David, he only asked the Lord about it three years later. That is so sad to me because he didn't see the the needs and the suffering of the people. And it was only perhaps when it came near his table that he acted to rectify the situation. You know, if we've made a bad decision, we don't wanna wait three years, we don't wanna wait too long to go back to God and ask Him how we can put it right. And then finally, David says, how can I put this right? 
And the answer came that it's blood for blood. You killed the Gibeonites. Some of Saul's family needs to be killed. And so David did that and they were avenged. And the Bible says, and then the famine ended. But what a legacy of cursing from one decision. Obviously, we see that God wants us to keep our word, that we are to be a people whose yes is yes and whose no is no, that what we commit to, we meant to stay committed to. But even if we've ended up in a mistake, even if we've ended up stuck in a very bad place, we come back to God and we let Him decide our way forward. We don't keep making decisions. We'll only keep making them in the wrong direction. You know, it took David far too long to deal with that legacy, but we don't have to wait that long. You know, I think about that song that's made a revival again. The teenagers are singing it. All of us adults, we know it. It's Fast Car, was by Tracy Chapman. I don't know who sings it now, but it's got a new beat. It's kind of groovy. But it says this, if you've got a fast car, we've got to make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. Why is that song so powerful? Because it speaks about the legacy of decision. It speaks about the fact that we are making decisions and that those decisions will always leave a legacy. Leave tonight or just live and die this way. This decision will determine our future. Our decisions will determine the legacy that we leave. See, Psalm 112, God shows us the kind of legacy He wants us to have. In Psalm 112, it says this, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Who gets blessed? Those who obey the Lord, those who fear the Lord, those who say, not I decide, but He decides. Then they leave a legacy of blessing, a legacy of blessing in their family, a legacy of blessing in the generations to come. They will walk in blessing. Their children will be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to leave a legacy of blessing, not a legacy of cursing. We are blessed to be a blessing. So let's fear the Lord. Let's obey Him. Let's make sure that not I am deciding, but He is deciding our future in Jesus' name. Number four, and if the team can come and join me, decisions reveal whose will we serve. Decisions reveal whose will we serve. You know, obviously we know our Lord Jesus who said, not my will, but your will. I don't think he would have chosen to go to the cross, but because it was the Father's will that we would have relationship with him, he was willing to do it. He said, I don't decide, you decide. Even Jesus said, I'm going to let the Father decide. Whose will, whose will are we serving? Is it our will or is it his You know, I um, think about this passage so often, and if only they had made a different decision, if only their will hadn't been what they chose. You see, that decision took them out of God's will. The Israelites' decision took them out. And you know what happened? The mixture came. Compromise came. No longer did they go on to ever eliminate all of the nations again. That was the beginning of the disintegration of what God had for His nation Israel. One decision, one compromise, one decision that they made. The mixture came. They stopped doing the perfect will of God. This one decision took them in a different direction. And we see that 
The mixture came where the Canaanites and the Israelites mixed together. They took on pagan practices. How do we know this? Because as the tribes, you know, from Joshua, they they went into the tribes and we see that rather than killing the kings, they cut off their thumbs and they cut off their toes, showing that they had adopted pagan practices. No longer were they living in the way that God had wanted. They weren't doing His will. They were doing their will, what they thought was best. Look at our lives today. We've got to come back got to come back and say, you know, I might have made a bad decision, but I'm going to choose His will, not mine. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.